This call is now being recorded. Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Kitchings, and you're listening to the History Voyager. And I'm here with Michael Bowling, who currently resides in Austin, Texas. And we're going to talk, among other things, about how he's making it through the ice storm, or I guess the winter disaster of 2021. <laughs> uh, which, first of all, is it an ice storm? Uh, exactly. Or uh, that's a good question. Uh, I haven't heard it officially referred to anything. I'm kind of considering it the uh, winter surprise of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it sounds horrible. Um. So tell me. Okay. Let's. I have listeners all over the world. I have listeners in in Canada, uh, Scandinavia. Germany, you, you know, places where it oh, gets wow. really cold. Yeah, they know about cold up there. Really snowy, really icy. All right, so why don't we talk about your uh, what Texas? Let's talk about Texas first off. Sure. Uh, in terms of where it is, because uh, you we know where it is, but maybe somebody in Singapore might not. Yeah, sure. Uh, Texas is uh, is a large state, large landmass in the south central United States. Uh, connects to Mexico, and uh, typically it's uh, it borders a couple of bodies of water. So it borders the Gulf of Mexico in the southeast, and uh, it uh, almost connects. It doesn't quite, but it almost connects to the Pacific uh, on the west side. But for the most part. Texas is a, a very arid region, desert, if you will. West Texas especially is uh, virtually featureless, save for a couple of bobbing donkeys looking for oil and just <laughs> wide spanses of desert nothingness. And as far as the eye okay. can see. Let's, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about summers in Texas. Uh, I've been to Texas oh. all at once. Uh, and I remember it was in June or May. It was in May or June, and I remember it was stupid hot. <laughs> oh yeah, I moved to to Austin from Dallas this June past, so 2020 June, and uh, I was I'm a teacher by trade, and so I had a couple of uh, months to kill, you know, uh, learning yeah. time. And so what I did to try to familiarize myself with the Austin area was uh, DoorDash. And so I ride a motorcycle, um, not a lot of air conditioning. So uh, I can remember temperatures. I'm wearing full gear, and it's 110 degrees outside. And that was like a normal day, 110 uh, Fahrenheit. So um, it, it was only the sweat that would collect on my uh, on my clothes that would keep me cool once the wind started blowing. But at a standstill, it was sweltering, stupid hot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So, you know, not, you know, I mean, here I live in Atlanta, which is in the foothills of the Appalachians, uh, and some of Atlanta is less foothilly than others parts of Atlanta. Uh, some of Atlanta is, you might even call it in the mountains. But, <laughs> uh, so it's a lot cooler here than it would be normally where, where the Appalachians not here. Right. Right. So, right. uh, I mean, part parts of my state, I've been told, have the same climate as, as parts of Maine. So, and Maine and Georgia are pretty far apart. 
So, uh, yeah, so it's pretty hot. Um, all right. So what are your winters like? What's normally, you've lived in Texas a while, right? Uh, yeah, I've lived in Texas for about four years now. I've moved around from Austin up to Dallas and now in, I mean, from Houston up to Dallas now in Austin. And average in uh, Texas, you know, in this kind of, let's say January, February, we're talking highs in 65, lows of 45. So uh, that's usually the lowest we're going to see is like low 40s, rarely, if ever, in the 30s. Yeah, so so nothing. Usually we're wearing, yeah, maybe jeans and a T-shirt, and you can walk outside comfortably. Nothing. Yeah, nothing crazy. No. Nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing like that we've seen lately. Uh, this just came really out of nowhere. Right. Okay. So that's your normal. Okay. So what, when the ice storm really got uh, rocking, what was your, uh, do you remember what the temperature was that day about? Oh, yeah. Let's see. I heard about it uh, last Thursday. So I was uh, up at school and they sent us home because, it was going to be an icy rain. So that was around noon, and I think the temperature outside was about 30, between 30 and 32 degrees, so right at, hovering around freezing. Yeah, so already we're talking somewhere that Texans don't don't know about. Oh, not, not, not prepared for by a long shot, no. All right, all right. Uh, and I saw, like I was looking at the Dallas Morning News, uh, recently, and uh, I saw some. I think the highs were in the twenties, which you know is cold for even yeah. for here. But that's not anything we couldn't handle normally. Uh, you know. So all right, sure. But um, anyway, okay. So let's. Since this is fundamentally a history podcast, let's let's uh, nail down a timeline here. So we're talking last Thursday, right? Right. Yeah. So the uh, okay. the administration sent out a text message um, to the whole staff. Um, very few of us are on campus right now because we're doing most of our teaching remotely, so we can be at home you know, cuddled up. Um, for students that do show up at school, which we do have a small percentage that, that choose to learn that way still, uh, we have a, a kind of a skeleton crew on campus. So around lunchtime, uh, we get this text message on Thursday, I guess, February the 11th. It says, if you're not uh, scheduled for a large group, please head home during lunch. Stay safe and warm. And so yeah, yeah. that was, yeah, that was Thursday, uh, February 11th. And then... yeah. Class was canceled in person. We were going to handle everything remotely, and then yeah. we had a plan to do some other stuff. And then uh, later on that day, they had uh, we kept we kept the Friday thing remote, and then we thought we were going to just cancel Monday, but we ended up canceling Monday through Thursday, tentatively having professional development that next Friday. So that would have been. Uh, let's see here. Friday would have been the 19th. So that was the plan anyway. We canceled for four days. And then we just lost communication. By Monday or Tuesday, I think, everything went dark. Now, when we're saying everything went dark, uh, what are we saying? 
Oh, everything. The sky went dark. <laughs> electricity went down. Water uh, was yeah. available but sketchy. Um, the whole grid just, I woke up, I think. So water, night, power. Night. Um, yeah, all at once. And, you know, it, it strikes me, because I have, again, listeners all over the world, and the more I talk to folks all over the world, the more, the more I realize how different America is from, say, lots of places. Um, so I think we need, we, you and I need to make something perfectly clear to, to say listeners in, I don't know, uh, Germany or wherever that, uh, you and I, I don't know how old you are, but I can remember a day and time when there was still something called the phone company. Right. Yeah. And yeah, sure. the phone company, by God, was going to keep your phone working. Right. I can remember that. Now, yeah, yeah the yeah. phone, the phone was hooked up to a wall. Right. And yeah. long distance was funny. Although, you know, our, our phone bill today is Probably more than it was. It is more today than it was back then. Yeah. But we should, you and I should probably make something bluntly obvious to folks. Uh, in America, in 2021, we've essentially privatized our phone situation. So, like T-Mobile or, or I'm on Xfinity Mobile, right? So, if Xfinity Mobile were, if like Verizon were to go down. Xfinity Mobile would go dark, right? So that's what I'm getting at here, is your oh, phone yeah. didn't work. No, definitely. I, I get what you're saying. Back when uh, Bell South had uh, residential lines, the power for the phone lines was, or the phones were powered by an independent source that was separate from your electricity. But now with cell towers and, uh, you know, everything's battery-reliant, everything is, you don't necessarily have to yeah. have electricity if your phone is charged, but once it's dead, then you know you can't make a call for sure. And also, like that. if also like if Verizon were to go down or whatever your phone company is were to go down, um, tech, push comes to shove, it's no skin off Texas's back if if T-Mobile or whatever doesn't work. You know. Yeah, so. I, I suppose so. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know more about that than I do. Well, I mean, that's a thought that I would have had. That's a thought that I had with all this, all these people with their phones going dark. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, uh, we had power going dark, but we still had, like, if you had an independent charger, cell phone service was still pretty reliable. It was just energy that was not really available. Oh, okay. So... So we're talking Thursday, Friday. Um, do you have any neighbors without water that you know of or anything like that? Oh, I've been without water. We had uh, we just got water this morning at 10. We turned the lines back on to see if there are leaks in the system. Let's check right now. Yeah, so it's currently on. It's been on for an hour and a half right now. But this, oh. is, this is just a new development. It's been out for at least a week. Jesus, how, okay. How are you doing water for a week? <laughs> well, uh, I'm, 
this isn't my first time in something like this, and so I've got mason jars stacked all over the place that I had filled up before we had lost. Uh, we were also able to melt snow, you know. Uh, we have a boiler yeah. advisory. So I have a propane tank that I've been able to, to boil some things off of, but a lot of my neighbors have been hard-pressed mm. for a lot of things. We've been relying on the kindness yeah. of those that do have to share. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we've been using, like, We've been using the community pool here, the apartment, to uh, flush our toilets, things like that. So it's been yeah. primitive, to say the to say the least. Um, yeah, to put it nicely. To put it nicely. Now, over and above that, you you got a you got a pandemic going on. You got you know all kind of supply line issues, probably. Oh. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I use uh, one of those box dinner providers, so uh, I usually get a box every Wednesday. That, uh, uh, we talking? Uh, we talk I'm not going to name any corporate names because I don't want to call out anybody in particular. But you know those things. It's like a recipe <laughs> yeah. box comes yeah. delivered by your delivery service, but uh, with icy roads, the delivery trucks weren't rolling. So it's been Wednesday last week. I was expecting. Still haven't received, and so I uh, yeah. took a walk down to the local grocer and uh, three stores. All the shelves are just barren. I've uh, seen they lost power. They had to throw out some things, and so they were. Able, you could scavenge, you know, at that time if you were really scavenge. Know. What, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean scavenge? You know, like they they put out all of their their meat products and all of their dairy products into the you know like in the back where. Um, People could go and pick up if they knew that was what's going on. I just found out about it yesterday, but it turns out, like, you know, last week that's what they were doing. They were just kind of donating it to the first come, first, first served. Um, there was another one that um, a big chain here in Texas is HEB, and uh-huh. there's stories where people were filling their carts trying to prepare, and then they lost power suddenly. So uh, HEB made the decision to say, you know, we understand what's going on. Uh, you guys go ahead and take what you got and have a nice day. So nobody was charged for the groceries they had when the power went out. Like they weren't going to make people stand in line and pay. So, I mean, those that could do, were, they've been really helpful in dealing yeah. with uh, that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's your, if you don't mind, uh, what's your power bill <laughs> normally? Oh, I have a small two-bedroom apartment, so uh, I think it's roughly between fifty, seventy dollars a month. Okay, okay, that's that's, I guess, reasonable. Um, the reason I'm asking is because, I mean, you're, Lord knows, you're busy, but I've seen stuff in the news where in the last few days, where you, uh, Texas's power. Uh, bills are going to go up. <laughs> yeah, on the back of that this. too. Where uh, some yeah. <laughs> some sensationalist news had some really big numbers in there, um, but uh, I'll have to wait and see. My Ten thousand dollars is what I saw. Yeah, I saw that too, but they didn't <laughs> give me much information as to the size of the business that was paying that bill. I would love to know what a ten thousand dollar power bill looks like on the ground. I bet it I'm, feels really warm. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, so you're in an apartment. I, I've lived in apartments here in Atlanta, 
And one thing I gotta, one thing I just gotta confess is, you know, apartments in Atlanta in December through February, uh, can be pretty chilly at night. Um, yeah. Do you guys, and that's with power. I mean, that's with heat. Mm-hmm. So do you guys have, uh, blankets and that kind of thing? Oh, well, I'm a camping enthusiast, so I got all kinds of sleeping bags and stuff. Good um, job. Yeah, I was, uh, you were asking earlier about my age. I'm, I'm 40. I just made 40 this December. Yeah. And so I've been through some ice storms. I've been through hurricanes. I've got this apocalypse doomsday thing going where I've got propane and, you know, most better preparation than most and better uh, skills to deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, we have some others that were in this place. Our apartments were built back in the 70s, dude. I mean, like, it's mostly wood frames, not a lot, not if any insulation, single pane glass, like you're talking. This is, this is definitely a more dry, aired, warm climate. We're not built for winter protection. No yeah. fireplaces for the most part, you know, no, no ways of heating ourselves once the power goes down, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw, um, I don't know if you're on social media, like Twitter or anything like that, but I actually saw on Twitter the reason, uh, you know, my, uh, I got cousins in Texas. And, uh, so, you know, they were talking about there's a, there's a snowstorm. One of the guys I was following on Twitter was talking about how he and his wife were on a trip in Texas, uh, to look at houses, actually in the Dallas area, I think. And, um, they were from Ohio and they were just marveling at, at the, or marveling is not the word, but horrified. That's a word. Horrified. Hmm. They were horrified at the, the, the proficiency of some of the drivers on the road when it comes to <laughs> traveling in snow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would say that we are not trained to drive in snow, to say the least. But uh, what he was saying was that um, it's like he was given, he, he, you know, he, he runs a YouTube channel. And that's why I follow him. But he uh, he was basically given this blow-by-blow account of, like, several days of just him being in Texas. And just how he was like, I have to get out of here. Like, you know. <laughs> For fear of his own safety. Yeah, no, like he wasn't kidding. He's like, this is, this is dangerous. It has nothing to do with what, whatever. It has to do with, you know, he took a picture of a semi truck that had jackknifed all the way across the interstate and had taken out like all these cars. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You'll have that even on the best of days. Uh, right. I live at the, the valley of a very small hill. I would say the the change in elevation from the top of one hill to my valley to the top of the other is like maybe 150 feet. Nothing big at all. But um, during the last couple of days, especially when the when the roads froze over in the first place, you'd see these guys in two wheel drive sports cars, like a Mercedes something or other, and they'll make it down the hill and then realize that it's it's still frozen. And so they can't make it up the other side of the hill. And so here they are fishtailing and turning 90 degrees in the middle of the road. And, yeah, all kinds yeah. of crazy people are trying to manage 
All even, kinds uh, of nuts. Even guys that yeah. Say, yeah, I've got a Jeep. I can do this. But they've got a two-wheel drive Jeep, and the same thing's happening. Like, these cars are not equipped to drive on snow. And so right. you see all kinds of knuckleheads piling up outside my apartment. We had uh, probably ten cars on a not-so-busy street uh, just sitting stranded <laughs> on the side of the road outside of my apartment. Yeah. Car. Well, one of the things, like, the thing that I thought was crazy was he – he showed us the pictures of the Dallas airport. Okay. And, I mean, it was empty. Like, here's a major airport. Empty. And I think, like, it was crazy. But the thing, the original reason I brought up Twitter was I saw this video of a street. I forget the town in Texas. But it was, like, mile after mile. And there was not a single building that was over one story tall that wasn't collapsed from the bu- from the busted pipes like the pipes on the second floor had busted and oh, so that yeah and it was just mile after mile of that and I looked at that and I was like the insurance business is about to change for these buildings oh sure Sure. There were there were nice apartment buildings in downtown Austin that uh my buddy lives in one and he had the same thing. He was like on the fifth floor of an eight floor building and he had pipes rupture, his apartment was flooded. On the fifth floor his apartment's flooding. Like not something you expect to have happen. Well, right. And I mean, even in Atlanta we, we you know, we would always if you live in Atlanta, Atlanta is a transient city. I, I I call it the biggest and best truck stop in the world, but because you know the, it's got people coming in and out all the time, and there's always people from somewhere warmer, and they don't know things like you know uh, maybe don't like don't run your gas oven all the time during during a uh, a, black, a blackout situation. Uh, oh, don't yeah, or use a propane grill inside. Right, right. Or like, don't you know? Please run your pipes. You know, run your water in your pipes. Uh, don't start your like car that. in the garage <laughs> and stay in there exactly. for once. Exactly. There's a lot of yeah. Exactly. Um, and you know, being in the South, people don't. You know, like I had to think like, oh, if you're if you have a house that's 40 degrees inside, it's a lot colder than that outside. Mm, for sure. Like, a, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, so what do you, th- I mean, just from your own perspective, so when did this go in your mind? When did this go from bad to worse? Like, when did this become real? Oh, pretty, pretty quick. Um, I was expecting maybe a day or two without without anything, without power, without water. And then by day three, it's kind of sinking in, okay, um, we're going to have to start pulling together resources with neighbors. We're going to have to start figuring out what's really going to happen here. I think that's the same time I saw people starting to cut down branches off of uh, local trees and, like, using that to start grills out there. Uh, and cook with, and then that was pretty much when they got in touch with us saying, okay, this is going to be a longer deal 
what we thought Who? was the three days. Okay. Uh, well, Who is they? They is, I think we heard from uh, the local Texas Energy Regulatory. They've got an acronym whose name I don't, it's just like Epcot or <laughs> ERCOT. Starts with an or e? like ERCOT. Yeah. It starts with they, an uh, E. They were saying that uh, control, yeah, they were going to do controlled outages, and that was the plan, but they didn't ever roll out a system or a schedule to say when we could expect power. So uh, we uh, we realized so that, wait, that they said, nobody's got a plan. They said uncontrolled outages or controlled outages? They said, sorry, they said controlled outages. Um, they because were going to maintain, like, when was that? Things. That was. Oh, if I had to tell you a date, I'd be, I'd be lying to you because everything kind of blends together at this point. Well, but, no, I, uh, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but, uh, so I did a podcast Thursday, okay. right? Wednesday night, I was what they call doom scrolling. <laughs> On Twitter. Yeah, just looking through the news for the worst things available. Like, yeah, that's a word our parents didn't know, right? Doom scrolling? Um, yeah. So I was basically doom scrolling through Twitter, because, looking for stuff on this storm. And I saw somewhere that the, the blackout, the power outages were uncontrolled. That's, yeah, definitely the feeling that I got, too. Uh, they were controlled in that the grid was able to sustain major sections of town that had hospitals, uh, from what I understood. Okay. Of course, I wasn't driving around. I can't confirm any of this, but I know for sure that uh, some things were shut down intentionally and some things were kept on intentionally. So in that sense, it was controlled. Uh, what wasn't controlled that I knew of was the rotation schedule. I don't think they said they what's were going to have one. What's a rotation schedule? What are we talking about? Uh, like, uh, I saw something that said they're going to try to keep it to 12 hours maximum per per region and then shift to another region, give them power for 12, so that nobody would be without power for more than 12 hours. But that was, you know, we heard about that like two days ago. So yeah. today... Today is Saturday. Today is Saturday the 20th. That was Friday, if not Thursday, uh, I saw that come across. So by that point, we had already been down for seven days. Like, oh, 12 hours. (laughs) I wish it was 12 hours. So, you know, there's just a difference in what I'm seeing in the public media versus what the actual experience was. And I thought that was a little bit uh, curious. Yeah, like in what direction normally? Like the public media says? Well, depending on um, what's happening, like it was definitely skewed in the favor of what I think is the corporate interests to downplay the severity of the situation and and what was going on. A lot of blame being thrown about for various reasons. Uh, I mean, Texas is is one of the biggest uh, economies in the country. It's one of the biggest economies in the world. We're a pretty good state. We're proud of, uh, you know, there's a lot of pride in Texas about uh, its own independence and no need to rely on outside influence. We see ourselves more of a provider to the rest of you guys (laughs) for energy resources and things like that. Yeah, well, 
I guess a native the, Louisiana person, so this is a new feeling for me to be a part of this uh, independence of Texas culture. Yeah, what do you, what do you, from the outside, kind of looking in, what does it seem like to you? Um, it feels there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of pride here, and uh, I like that aspect of it. Like when, when when my neighbors pulled together, we didn't necessarily know each other before, but we certainly know each other now, and so that was cool. But there's also this aspect of well, we don't need your help, and we're, whatever we're doing is corporately or you know at a larger level. What we're doing is our business. Y'all stay out of it, and then if something goes wrong, uh, well, you know, it was somebody else's fault that this went the way that it went when it went sideways. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of. Well, I'm not going to get into that because that's not really my realm of expertise, but uh, it's. I did see a couple of quotes from, like, that mayor that said, you know, the strong will survive or something like that. Like, you guys just yeah. figure stuff out. I saw something along those lines from a mayor of a different city, and it was just galling. It was absolutely galling. Yeah, there have uh, been national leaders that have fled to Cancun to avoid being in this yeah. situation. Yeah, Ted Cruz. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, to me, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, I, I've been through hurricanes a couple times. Um, oh, those are always fun. Uh, I've been through, uh, we had a blizzard when I was a child here that was, you know, I'm sure the people up north would think it was hilarious, but uh, <laughs> we we lost power for several days. Um you know, when I was a kid, um, I used to live in a town, well, heck, we had a flood in Atlanta about 10 or 12 years ago now, that was pretty bad, but yeah, nothing like this, nothing, nothing where like the whole state was out of power, basically, right? I mean, uh, see, you're seeing it from the outside looking in. All I knew was me and my neighbors and, you know, those that I work with didn't have power. You're saying it's statewide? Then yeah, no. I'm, wow. What I'm telling you is, so you don't know this, uh, what I'm telling no, you is power. <laughs> essentially ERCOT, um, if you're in ERCOT, chances are pretty good that you've been without power for a long time now. And there are still people in pretty big cities actually without power. And I think I read somewhere that there's some major hospitals that lost power. Oh, wow. Like in Houston. And uh, I'm, I don't want to accuse the wrong hospital of losing power, but major hospitals in major cities in Texas hmm. have lost power. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um it's it's statewide. If you're within the aircraft footprint, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I've been. You, I guess I'm part of that footprint, <laughs> sir. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you're in the middle of an international news story. Oh wow! I don't, I don't know if you know that. So if you no, want I didn't to sit, have time to poke my head up. If you want to sit with that for a second, I'm more than happy to sit with you for that for a second. But. uh 
yeah, no, I've seen video of, of, uh, stores being without power, uh, and stores being, stores having no food. Um, I've, I've seen, I've read accounts on Twitter of people like deliveries, grocery deliveries aren't being made because they can't. So there's towns that are like, what am I going to, what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, I went uh, just before we got on. I, I went down to the local store, and there's a line, uh, at least an hour long line to wait to get into the store. And then, from what I'm hearing from those coming out, is that there's nothing on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, the entire produce yeah. section is completely empty. The meat's gone. Uh, yeah, you know, you can get sweets, I guess, if you're yeah. into that kind. I of mean, thing. for a while there, according to somebody I follow on Twitter, the Dallas airport had closed. Um, totally. So is that a rare thing? A nice, uh, yeah. Like, see, that's the thing. We don't have we don't have snow plows or salt yeah. on the road. We don't have. So if they had done that, maybe day two, then travel would have been possible. Well, right. I mean, and and part of this, and I'm sorry, this is a political issue in this country. Part of this is the the jet stream is weakening. And so you got this Arctic air coming from Canada that just hit Texas. That's a lot of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you, obviously you, you didn't know, but yeah, you're a national, you're an international news story. You live in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and things I've read. With you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, things I've read. Say, before, um, before all this happened, like, I've been kind of removed from the national news scene just in general because since everything's gone virtual learning, like, my workload as a teacher has been focused mostly on trying to provide online content. And so my whole world has shifted from what it used to be to what it is now. So yeah. social media and national news is just one of those luxuries that I really haven't indulged right. for the last year or so. Right. Well, I mean, um, when we get off, uh, if you're on Twitter or whatever, well, first of all, if you're not on, not to put, I don't work for Twitter. Okay. I don't work for Twitter, but okay. if you're not on Twitter, you need to be on Twitter. Anybody, if you're not on Twitter, you need to be on Twitter for the news. What? Okay. <laughs> just, just in general, <laughs> you know, like your parents would have told you to read the paper every day. I look at Twitter as reading the paper, right? A little bit, okay. a little bit. But the thing is, man. Um, so let's talk about you being a teacher in the pandemic. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. Sure. So, yeah. So oh, you well, found uh, beginning of the pandemic. I was uh, I was getting a PhD in Dallas, and okay, then. Everything went online suddenly, right at spring break, and so that was a whole interesting shift. And I thought it was going to be for a minute or two, but uh, because it turned out to be a longer deal than that, uh, that's not something that I thought I wanted to do virtually was pursue an academic thing of that magnitude. So I switched back, moved to Austin, got back into the classroom. Now I'm teaching pre-calculus and algebra at a local Austin high school for Austin ISD. Love it. 
Love okay. Back in the classroom. Okay. So what? Uh, what are your? I guess from the outside, as a as an outsider, what are your perceptions of what this has whole shift looked like? To you? Well, you know, here's here's what I've figured out uh, just about the pandemic and about 2020 and 2019 or 2020, 2021. Is that what you mean? Um. Yeah. So I, I have a podcast. I have about, and we're right now in season two where I talk to people. And season one was uh, me doing the Spanish flu and COVID-19. Um, so here's what I figured out. Okay. Believe it or not, 2020 was the year a whole lot of Americans figured out that the Internet officially has gone from a toy to a tool. Okay. Okay. Be yeah. Believe it or not, and I had to put that together recently, right? So, and there's just a lot of people who don't like to use the internet. They used it before. They would go to websites. They would buy groceries, and they wouldn't buy groceries, but they'd buy books or whatever. But now they're they're looking at their kids, and they're like, okay, I have to educate you over my phone, <laughs> right? But I need my phone, yeah. right? <laughs> Et cetera, right? Sure, um, yeah. There's actually a podcast I have to uh, do some stuff with, but he's a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of the digital divide or not. Well, he's, yeah, a, guy on, he's a guy on the other side of the digital divide, and he's got kids that he's got to educate. You know, and yeah. he talked about how his town, the bandwidth went down. Like, the whole, there's not enough bandwidth for people in his town to have their kids be on the Internet all day. It's just not enough not, bandwidth. Yeah, not surprised. I've got uh, students that are yeah. trying to share, you know, whatever. We, we provide, um, what do you call them, hotspots for our students that don't have broadband access. And so they've got, you know, maybe three kids on Chromebooks that are trying to access classes all day on these one hotspot that uh, it's just yeah. it's a challenge for sure. Now, you look at, like, when you look at Germany or you look at lots of other countries that we think are our peer countries, okay, sure. um, a lot of them are looking at if they haven't done it already, they're looking at, okay, here's the deal. This Internet is essential. Uh, so let's get it through the power company or let's get it through some utility-type situation that's a utility that we can regulate differently. Uh -huh. So we're not doing that in this country. No. Okay. So here's the other problem that I see. Um, so we have this, the global economy is about to come up, about to really happen in a way it's never happened before. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up bright and early, and I'm going to have a podcast with a lady in Singapore. Okay. And it's going to happen like I'm talking to you now. Okay? Right. In the future, 
in the none too distant future, which might even be next month or two months from now, you're going to have a world where the jobs are going to be plentiful, but they're going to be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Right? You're going to have, I'll be able to have a job in my bedroom working in Germany, but there's no office to go to. There's no, you know, like yeah. I did a podcast with a man who runs a uh, cryptocurrency, and he's got employees all over the world, but he's got oh, no sure. office, right? Yeah, no, we haven't had a face-to-face faculty meeting so far this school year. Everything has been from our living rooms or from right. our computers. And, and and you look at my, I mean, just even in my own life, you look at my podcast. For a little while there, I had one of the most listened to podcasts in America for for documentary or news type stuff, right? And I'm just a guy in a back bedroom. Okay, so mm-hmm. when you start talking about the media, right, <laughs> like it's one big massive thing, am I in the media? You see what I'm saying? Say yes. Yeah. I mean... So you're definitely a part of it. Well, here's well, here's a thought. I called over to Apple for something for my dad's phone, and the guy on the phone at Apple recognized my voice. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Wow. From the podcast, right? Did that surprise so, you? Well, I've been recognized since then. And I think I was recognized one time before, but that was the time I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, real. it's <laughs> I'm nationwide. Like I'm world. I'm worldwide. I'm, I'm I'm worldwide. I've got listeners in the only country I don't have listeners in is China. I have listeners everywhere in the world. Is that because of the uh, government firewall kind of thing, you think? I, I'm assuming, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I chart in, I'm, 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 I chart in Ireland, I chart in Germany, I chart in Canada, Australia. And by chart, I mean, I'm like on people's lock screens. <clears throat> like on their podcast catcher lock screens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, these are the kinds of, like, I show up as like, this is a podcast you would like because of your other podcast history. That blows my mind. I'll be honest That's with awesome. you. It blows my mind. But here's what I'm telling you as an educator. You're preparing students for a world where the job they're going to have doesn't happen in an office. Right? It's not going to oh, happen. Yeah. It's going to happen we are, in a bedroom. We're very aware of that for sure. And it's going to happen... Have- been flavors for that. I mean, uh, I teach math. <laughs> I teach pre-calculus, but that's only by title. Um, we're teaching kids how to interact with technology in ways that their parents don't know how to do. Uh, we're, we're troubleshooting things. We're teaching them how to communicate digitally by email, by messaging, and it's painfully obvious that their primary method of communication with their peers is this is texting is this, you know, we used to call it leaked speech where words are very, very infrequently spelled correctly. Punctuation is a gone thing. 
Um, in fact, I read something the other day that says if you put two period, two spaces after a period, then you're telling on yourself for how old you are because nobody puts two spaces after a period these days. It's just one space because keystrokes are important when you're typing with your thumbs, I guess. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're teaching kids how to play with websites, how to build websites, and that has nothing to do on the face with what you do in math, but it's definitely an important skill that we have to prepare these kids because they're not going to have a face-to-face interview unless they're Zoom meeting or Skype or whatever. Um, Their first uh, impression is going to be made by the structure of their email or the structure of their resume, and it's it's such an interesting twist because you used to be charismatic and a firm handshake and smile and look, make eye contact, but uh, not anymore. That's that's not the case. Yeah, that's an entirely (laughs) different skill set. And so we're writing the rules for what uh, business etiquette is supposed to look like, you know, as we teach these young minds. And it's well, and the other thing, the other thing that I keep thinking about is so Germany has is going to have high speed internet. So I talked to a guy in Alberta who Canada is putting high-speed internet out to his farm. Wow. Right? That's a lot that? of investment. No, we're not. And, I, we're not you know, and Germany's lucky in that they don't have the land to cover that we do. I can only Canada. imagine with the ex- – yeah, Canada's pretty, pretty expansive. You're, you've got a point there. I mean, uh, I just don't – I'll be honest. And I don't want to scare you, but if we don't get our act together as a country on this, we're going to get left in the dust. Seriously. Well, your argument is that we haven't already in terms of internet infrastructure. Well, uh, my argument is, my argument is if we don't get in touch with that side of America that can put a man on the moon or that can cure polio or, (laughs) or the whatever, right? We're going to get left in the dust. That's my argument. Yeah, it's like it's a solid argument, and uh, <laughs> it's difficult because those minds, you know, when when Newton came up with with calculus, it was because of a pandemic. He was he was able to sit on a hill and, and he was able to contemplate. But now, with everybody being attached to their phone, um, there are so many distractions. Deep thought is almost an ancient thing. It's a luxury to be able to be lost in thought, you know. And so I think to come up with these brilliant ideas, we're going to have to start finding ways to disconnect the digital connection and allow people time to just think and be introspective and reflect on how they could improve whatever it is that interests them. I mean, I... I think every single day about the world that I grew up in, how it doesn't, yeah, how it doesn't really exist anymore. How, like, so my favorite sports team is a team up in Canada. And I can interact with those people. You know, I (laughs) and 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I I wouldn't have been able to do that. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. Pen pals, we had, we had, you could, uh, write letters, but (laughs) is, is the, is the Winnipeg Jets play by play man going to write me a letter back? No, but he'll send me a tweet. 
<laughs> you know? Point. Right. There are a lot of things being facilitated. Uh, and you yeah, I think once we, once we figure out how to control those in a way that isn't, uh, commercially driven, when, once we figure out a way to make that a two-way street all the time, uh, but yeah. everything's interspersed with like, it's like billboards. You're driving down the highway and you're in that highway hypnosis. You're traveling down a train of thought and then a billboard pops up. Same thing if you're listening to something on, you know, YouTube or Spotify or whatever. You're in a nice little uh, trance and then suddenly this ad just interrupts your train of thought. Yeah. And it's the same, it's that same inability to pursue anything for a meaningful length of time. But then at the same time, like I can, I can put on a podcast by some history expert and I can go on a walk and think about things I haven't thought about in years. Sure. I mean, it's, it's both ways. It really is both things. And it's to me, <laughs> you know. It's a, yeah, you're right. I see where you're coming from from that. It's a long leap from where we came from, uh, playing your mixtape and back in, you know, the 80s when we were doing it off the radio or mm-hmm. whatever, however you got your music back then. Um, and now, <laughs> <laughs> but things go, but I mean, you know, I hate to be the old guy talking about back in my day, it was this much and this thing and Sure. I'm, my, my grandmother used to have to grab a block of ice and carry it down the street to her house to throw it in the ice box because that's how refrigeration worked back then. A huge old block of ice. Like, I'm glad yeah. I don't have to do those things for sure. But, uh, no. there are right. a lot of things that have gone different directions for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, what, based on that, like, what would you say, do you find yourself teaching the parents more than the kids about the digital world? Um, or? You know, that's kind of vicariously done. I think I teach the kids, yeah. and they help the parents. Um, a lot of my students are bilingual in that uh, I've had students had to miss school because their mom needs to go to the DMV, and she doesn't speak English fluently, so they're acting as translators. And it's yeah. not just, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, parents came to to Texas to get a better life for themselves, and so is it Spanish or is it? Uh... It's it's both. I mean, I mean both. It's I've got some students that speak Afrikaan, um, primarily Spanish for sure, uh, but uh, we've got yeah. people from Sweden. We've got students from Germany. Um, it's a very it's an international culture for sure. Austin, yeah. Houston as well. Both of them were extremely diverse. And yeah. One of the things that I'm happy that we are teaching students this in this climate is uh, we're focusing on social emotional learning. Like we're teaching them how yeah. to deal with feelings and how it's okay to be vulnerable. And that wasn't anything that any of my teachers really talked to me about. Like bullying. That's not even yeah. a thing that happens anymore. Kids, kids accept. <laughs> they're woke. They accept people for who they are and who they want to be, and I think that's that's great. And so they're see that's great. As much as I am them, I mean, but uh, when it comes to the technology, the the parents yeah. are just so far behind. For I mean, well, no one, doubt. Well, one of the things like I look at is like I mean, I don't know if you 
know you might know this because you seem you seem like a smart guy, but there was a, a thing I read years ago, a couple of years ago now, before the pandemic, <laughs> where if you're under a certain age and you're married, you're more likely to be married to somebody who doesn't speak English as a first language than you are to be married to somebody who has a different like phone OS than you do. You're, so like, I'll make, repeat that to make sure I understood that. So you're more married. So, you're more if you're. Uh, I think it was like 34, right? Okay. If you're under 34, you're more likely to be married to somebody who doesn't speak English as a first language than you are to be married to somebody who has like. If you have an Android phone, right. you're more likely to be married to a person with another Android phone than you are. Now, does that speak to the diversity of the people in our country, or does that speak to how much harder it is to have Google talk to Apple when it comes to setting up your smart home? <laughs> I, I just find that fascinating. I can I see mean, the logic behind it, because I can Google Translate to anything I want to to have a conversation with somebody, but if I want to sync a file, a Spotify yeah. playlist, it's much easier if you're on my platform. Well, but, yeah, but also, like, um, I mean, that's weird, too, because I remember before the couple of years ago, I was in the mall, and uh, I was looking at, there was there was a couple, and I don't know if they were married or what they were, but you could look at those kids that they, were, that they had, these twins, and you could tell that somebody related to her and somebody related to him had had those kids whether or not they were the parents or not. But the thing that was interesting was they had to use Google Translate to talk to each other. <laughs> and the thing that was more interesting than that was the kids, the little kids, got frustrated. And one of the little kids was talking in Spanish or whatever, and the other little kid was talking in English. And, and then they switched off. And both oh, of the yeah. parent, both of the adults were looking at me like, you saw that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you, you, you saw that. It's amazing. It really is. They can code switch so easily. Uh, and my household was the same. Uh, I was lucky growing up in in Louisiana. I was bilingual French English because I was in this program uh, from elementary school immersion, and I could talk to my brothers in French. And one time we went to France, and I was translating to waiters. I'm in fourth grade. I'm translating for the hotel staff to my parents who don't speak a lick of French. But uh, anytime we wanted to have a conversation between us, we would speak French and, you know, my parents didn't know what was going on. And it was just, it was so much fun for us to be able to have that little language. But uh, the same thing happens, yeah, with my students, for sure. I wonder if they still do that. What's that? My parents still don't speak French? No, 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 no. The the school system in Louisiana, do they still... Do that? Is oh there... yeah, it's not a it's not a national thing. Uh, I grew up in Lake Charles, and it was a program that uh, they had in Lake Charles that does that. And yeah, it's still running strong. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, well, Michael, it's been a pleasure. And uh, do you have anything you want to tell the internet? Oh, you know, uh, take care of each other. It's cold out there. Yeah. <laughs> Stay warm. All right. Hang on a second. I want to talk to you off off the uh off the recording. Of course.